Welcome back to the Family Movie Night Podcast. This is episode 29. And in light of uh, the movie we are reviewing today, Crazy Rich Asians, available on HBO Max and also at our local library. Uh, this we I have a question for our uh, fantastic co-host, as always. Uh, Donnie, the hero of our podcast, question I have for you is, if you had the kind of money that the families in crazy rich Asians had, what would be the first extravagant thing you would buy? So we're assuming you've been sensible, you've been responsible, you've paid off your mortgage, you've paid off your debts, you've you've, you've uh, given money to, to cure world hunger and all those kind of things. What is the first extravagant, selfish thing you're going to buy? Such a good question. Because, I mean, if I'm going to be extravagant, I feel like, I'm not a huge car guy, but I feel like I would like to have one that was just kind of just visually appealing. But I think if I'm being honest, because I love food, I'm buying a restaurant. Oh, there you go. I'm flat out buying a restaurant. I was going to say you could get like a Maybach, you know, take the top off the Maybach, my friend. But you also you also could get a food truck. Marry those. Put those two hands. A Maybach food truck and call it the like the the. The quality life go. of fast food. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. That is perfect. Yeah, very Luxury good. fast food. <laughs> Luxury fast food. I love it. There you go. All right. Uh, how about hamburginis in your Lamborghini? Oh, oh nice. nice. I'm just saying, you could you could eat a little burger truck. This is my hamburginis. <laughs> the next luxury, the- <laughs> the luxury line of fat. Let's go become like people are like, wait, what happened? Uh, yeah, we talked about this one day and... Uh, we made it happen. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Very good. All right. And of course, the villain of our podcast, which you get to be a very elegant villain this week, uh, Sawyer. You get to be Michelle Yeoh as Eleanor Young. I mean, just absolutely killing it. I will friend. take it this time. Okay. I was about this, this isn't a Kevin. This isn't I'm not playing no Kevin Spacey villain yeah, right now. It, okay. This is Michelle Yeoh. This um, is a full upgrade. What 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 are you buying? Oh man. I'm I'm gonna go with a G5 jet. Okay. Oh, there you That's go. One of the nice private jets is the thing. Nice. Absolutely. Um, and I would live on that thing. I would just, yeah. There you go. If I, because like if you have that kind of money, you're not tied down. It's like, oh, I have to go in for a 20 minute meeting. Great. Back yeah. to the jet. Nice. I love it, man. That that is awesome. Uh, of course, the first thing I would buy is um, nothing for myself. I would give it away because I'm just closer to Jesus than the rest of you. <laughs> I shut you up. <laughs> Set you up. to the Family Movie Night podcast where we want to help your family have better conversations around the content you consume. My name is Nathan, and uh, I've already introduced you to my wonderful co-hosts, Donnie and Sawyer. Unfortunately, Heidi couldn't be with us because she's in her own extravagant location at Denver, Colorado. So uh, uh, maybe not as uh, fantastic as Singapore, but uh, we are getting to cover a, a wonderful movie today. Uh, called Crazy Rich 
Asians, which came out in 2018. It's available on HBO Max. And uh, as I was telling my co-host, if you have a library card, I believe it is still at the Coweta County Library. You can watch it there. Uh, if you don't know what the movie is about, it is about Rachel Chu, uh, who accompanies her longtime boyfriend, Nick, to his best friend's wedding in Singapore. Uh, but she is surprised to learn that Nick's family is uh, not only extremely wealthy, but uh, crazy rich, and that he's considered one of the country's most eligible bachelors. And she's thrust into the spotlight, but now she must contend with jealous socialites, quirky relatives, and something far Far worse, Nick's disapproving mother. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. But first, Donnie, why don't you tell them what we do on this podcast? On this podcast, we encourage every family at Community Christian Church to have a monthly movie night to help you and your children build memories and start conversations that matter. The goal of our family ministry is to help you raise your children to love Jesus and his way of life above all other things. And we know the critical to that is for you to have a routine, regular time of connection and shared experiences that help you build stronger relationships. And we believe that movie nights are a great opportunity to do that. Whether you are uh, experiencing joy or laughter or even fear and sadness, we think that movie nights are a great opportunity. And uh, on this podcast, we want to not only recommend some movies that uh, that we love, um, which today I'm guessing we're all recommending this movie, but uh, but more than that, we want to encourage uh, some great conversations that you can have with your kid during or after the movie. And as always, the point of this podcast is not to add another thing to your list of things as a parent that you feel guilty about not doing. Our goal is really to make it easier for you and your family to be together and to build memories and to have conversations that matter in the sense that uh, they help you, your children to love Jesus way of life because it is easier to love Jesus and when you understand how his way of life uh, leads to flourishing and uh, an abundant life in his kingdom. So we hope that you have fun listening to us have this discussion and that maybe it helps you see Jesus in a better life and then maybe it helps your kids uh, as well. Uh, so before we get into talking about this movie, we did want to kind of put out, we try to do this whenever we can. Uh, this movie is uh, probably best for middle school and up. Uh, it's probably not best for uh, elementary kids. Um, uh, there's nothing too objectionable in it, but one, I think most of the themes and what's working in this movie, uh, your elementary kids are probably not going to resonate with. Um, and there are a few just kind of ideas and concepts of one of the characters in the film is an actress who had done an adult film. And they talk about that very briefly, nothing too um, explicit, but certainly maybe a conversation you're not ready to have with your seven-year-old. So uh, we just wanted to warn you, but we think this is a great movie to watch with your teenagers. Uh, and especially once we get into the themes of, of what this movie can help us have conversations about, I think it's really important to have this with your middle and high school students. But before we get to that, let's just talk about uh, does this movie work as a movie? Is it a movie that parents could enjoy watching with their teenagers? So, sorry, you already kind of mentioned it. So why don't you tell us, what is it about this movie that you think is just great for teenagers and, and parents to watch together? Yeah, so the, the first thing, because this is a rom-com, the like there are two things that it has to just nail down. Is it romantic and is it funny? And put, to put it, and like, put it simply, it is very much both of those things. Let's yes. start with the funny. There are two characters in this movie that are so funny. One played by Aquafina and the other played 
by Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong isn't in the movie a ton, but when he's there, he is hilarious. I mean, absolutely. Oh, so funny. And Aquafina is in the movie a lot, and she is also very funny, as well as the script just being a very smartly written, very funnily written movie. It, it is an excellent comedy. And then the romance stuff, I, I, I'm a softie. I, I like good romance, okay? It's very, very good, to say the least, okay? Um, there's a moment near the end that we're going to get into that is just, oh, but, yeah. Well, and I think what is interesting about this, and I've actually talked to several um, women about this that weren't necessarily as into this movie as other romantic comedies, and I think what I have come to about the romance in this movie is uh, other romantic comedies are really about, uh, and I'll say this, American late 80s forward and really they've stopped kind of making romantic comedies but going forward into maybe the mid 2000s most romantic comedies were about guy meets girl um they're kind of opposites attract usually they then somehow fall in love there is something that pulls them apart right and then they have to come back together this movie what is different is uh it the challenges that face um, Nick and Rachel in this movie is not their romance or attraction for one another. It is kind of taken for granted from the middle of the movie that these people are just in love. From the beginning of the movie, we see these people are into each other. They love each other. They want to be together. That's never even really questioned the entire movie. What makes this movie uh, very interesting for American romantic comedies of the last 30 years is that the challenges that face them are external to the relationship. And I think that's an interesting, and I think that may be hard for certain people. Like if if the kind of movie that you thought Crazy Rich Asians was going to be is a She's All That or a You've Got Mail or even, you know, later kind of romantic comedies, right? Um, this is not that kind of one. But I, do, I agree with Sawyer. I think it's a very romantic movie. It's a movie that talks about love kind of overcoming things. I think it's very powerful in that way. Well, well, and I think what you're talking about, Nathan, is kind of for me what makes it excel look i love when harry met sally it's my favorite rom-com of all time by yeah. far but what this movie does better than harry met sally is it has a very relatable romance because in real life right it's not like you meet someone and then a week later you're engaged okay in real life you meet someone fall in love meet their parents and then you start having apprehension okay <laughs> that's how it works in real life okay yeah. and and it can confirm okay and and so it is that is a very, very human story that they're telling. Well, there we go. Now we're reading Sawyer's Mail. So let's get into uh, let's get into Donnie. Donnie, what did you think about this movie? Do you think it works? Is this a movie that uh, teenagers are going to like to watch with their parents? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think what you all have already said. I mean, I think the comedy works really well. I think the comical characters are have a have a good mixture of being comical, but also also full of heart. Because their interactions are like, even when they're like being funny, sometimes there's a funny comment they may make to them, but then there's so much heart behind the statements that they do make yeah. that it makes them, it gives their uh, characters like a full breath of like, of life. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, every character that was cast, I mean, I think they, they did their jobs and roles to, to make the movie as good as it could be. I mean, yeah. you have the contrast between all of the characters as far as the mother-in-law and, you know, the main characters. I mean, I thought they did a great job. It's very entertaining. I mean, I definitely would recommend, like, for that audience, definitely. 
Well, and you know, uh, Sawyer mentioned Aquafina, who certainly was the breakout star of this movie. I mean, she was the later cast in Jumanji, uh, Ryan, The Last Dragon, which we we've covered on this. She made it to a Marvel movie, which is now like the pinnacle of uh, of, of big budget cinema, right? But then she's been in a ton of um, a ton of uh, little indie darling kind of films. Um, and uh, anyway, just absolutely break up. But Jimmy O. Yang uh, from Silicon Valley is where I remember the TV show Silicon yep. Valley plays Bernard Ty in this uh, kind of the the kind of extravagant, crazy cousin who throws the big party. He is hilarious in this. Ronnie Chang, who you might know from The Daily Show uh, yep. uh, as Eddie Chang. Very funny, kind of this nervous energy guy who's very focused, who's trying really hard to be very extravagant. The The cast is just... I mean, just killing it on every level. And then, of course, uh, when you throw in on top of that, uh, you have um, uh, sorry, if you heard that pop, that was Sawyer coming back oh. into the <laughs> back into the chat. Um, he got kicked out. I was tired of uh, tired of his nonsense. Um, but <laughs> my Wi-Fi sucks today, guys. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. But uh, of course, uh, we haven't talked about um, uh, uh, Rachel Chu, Constance Wu, who plays Rachel Chu is just absolutely wonderful. We're probably going to talk a lot about her. Henry no. Golding as Nick Young, um, who I know was in contention for Shang-Chi, but ended up playing uh, Snake Eyes, the G.I. Joe uh, origin movie, which did not fare as well for him. I apologize to Henry Golding. I think he is wonderful, and, and I hope he gets another thing. But let's just talk about Gemma Chan for a moment, who plays Astrid, uh, who went on to be in The Eternals. Um, uh, for Marvel, but I think she's just absolutely wonderful. She's completely elegant. Uh, she plays the character. I just so you know, I've read the books uh, of Crazy Rich Asians books by Kevin Kwan, and Astrid is by far my favorite character. And I thought Gemma Chan kind of is playing. Uh, once again, giving spoilers away. This woman who is very elegant. She comes from wealth. She's she kind of is almost a. Um, future example of Rachel and Nick's relationship in that she comes from this wealthy family. She ends up marrying a guy who did not have money um, and their relationship is kind of falling apart. Did, did that, it's, it's kind of a B plot. Did that work for you guys? I thought that was just such an emotion, especially that final scene with them together. Oh yeah. So oh, emotional. Her interaction with her, like, cause it's, there's so much in those moments that I think it's very difficult to grasp in such a very short period of time. Yeah. And to be able to do it so well, because they showed you, OK, here's a struggle. And then they showed you, OK, this is decisions that are being made in a length of time. And then you see the conclusion of it. And yeah. it doesn't always have to be this, you know, this fight. It doesn't always have to be this, you know, like, you know, because in most movies, like they make it where it's like this huge, like blow up scene where it's like, ah, and they have to like destroy stuff. And it's like it was elegantly done in a way that showed she was like, okay, look, I'm not going to lose myself yeah. as a result of what you losing yourself. Did. Well, and I think I what's think. interesting is he really wanted that. He, he mm -hmm. felt like her lack of passion, her lack mm -hmm. of yelling and screaming and hitting was a sign that uh, she didn't love him and she didn't care for him because he, yeah. she wasn't emotionally affected. And I just thought that Sawyer did, did that whole character and dynamic work for you? The thing is, like, I think she's this weirdly not necessarily relatable because she's a billionaire, but she's super interesting because she's this very introverted character. And uh, and that that makes her she's the most atypical to all the other characters. All mm -hmm. the other characters we're seeing are very um, 
for lack of a better word, crazy to a certain yeah. extent. You know, we've got Nick who's extroverted, but kind of normal. But, and then we've got Astrid and she's like this introverted character. And I just, I really like what they did with her where she's just kind of having a rough go at it. And it's very prophetic as well. It's really, um, really, really cool what they did with her character. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think she works really as a character and we've talked about this before, but she's the only one who it seems like the money has not corrupted her. Uh, it seems like the wealth and the fame and the power uh, has not gone to her head. Uh, although her, although her husband, and this is very clear in the book, her husband very much feels like um, she always looked down on him because she's hiding her money. She's hiding her purchases. It, it, it has made her somewhat deceptive, but she, she never thought less of him that he was kind of a self-made man and that he didn't come from money. Uh, she always admired him for that. And uh, she is very kind to Rachel, who's kind of coming into the family, one of the few people who seems... Uh, to to extend a hand, and I think that works. A uh, final thing I want to just talk about with the movie before we get into the themes is the direction by John Chu. A lot of people, I think, just kind of uh, on watching a movie, um, don't understand what does a director bring to the movie that other things aren't because it's hard to tell. Like, how do I know if a movie's well directed? And I think both this and In the Heights are uh, perfect examples of John Chu. John Chu directed both In the Heights, which we've covered on this, and Crazy Rich Asians, which is um, if you could read the screenplay of the movie and um, perfectly imagine what the movie would be, uh, then it, the movie is not well-directed. Because a well-directed movie is the screenplay and the book are its own thing. And then when I watch it, it, it is a completely different thing than just reading the screenplay. The visuals that are brought, the way that the story is woven together is a completely different thing. And this movie is a just a visual delight from start to finish. There's a ton going on on the screen but that never detracts from the movie it is always enhancing the story and is what is happening i mean the movie just looks gorgeous this is i'm just gonna say this i think this is the best most beautiful wedding scene in the history of cinema i'm just gonna say that got about 130 years of cinema i don't think there is a better looking wedding scene than this scene. I mean, when that water comes down the aisle, I was like, uh oh, something's about to happen <laughs> every time it moves me. So uh, I just think it works. But let's talk about the themes of this movie. Let's get into the kind of conversations you can have with your kids. And really, what we want to hit on is this movie does a great job. Once again, uh, you as the parent, as a as a believer, are going to have to take it farther than the movie wants to go. But we think this movie does a great job of bringing up the conversation of does wealth does the love of money as as paul would say it does it corrupt is there a way in which that the more uh i am pursuing money and wealth and fame and even physical outward beauty the characters in in this movie are very focused on being elegant the way they appear to others being put together having money having power all of this and it causes them to reject rachel who does not come from, as they say, our class of people, that she does not have the kind of money. Uh, she does not come from money. She doesn't understand their world. She's not quite as put together. She's a little more down to earth. And I think for children and teenagers who are raised in America, where every commercial, every movie, every music video, uh, everything on TikTok is telling them, hey, the kind of life you want is the one where you can uh, buy a G5 and just set off to Singapore if you need to, 
right? Or open your own Hamburginis restaurant. <laughs> like that's the that's the American dream is to have the kind of money where you don't need anyone and you can do everything on your own. But there's a way in which all the people, except for Astrid, as we've talked about in this movie, are are a little corrupted by the amount of wealth. Um, and uh, here's how I want to start in our conversation. Donnie said this, I thought, really well when we were talking before of the opening scene of this movie is so telling for the rest of the movie. And in case you don't know, the movie begins with Eleanor Young, who ends up being kind of the villain of our movie. She it shows up with her young children to a hotel, uh, a very wealthy hotel in London. And the, the people who are running the hotel dismiss them, won't let them use the phone, won't let them come inside. They, they deny their res- reservation, partially probably. Uh, they doesn't say, but partially probably because of a uh, racist or prejudiced motive, but also just because of their, their prejudice about wealth, right? By the end of the movie, Eleanor has become the one who is denying people privileges and rights because of, of her own prejudice. And the more that she has money, uh, it kind of corrupts that. So, Donnie, why don't you start us off? How do you think this movie helps us have the kind of conversations of, hey, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of success, the pursuit of wealth, there is a way in which it can actually lead you away from the pursuit of Jesus. You want to you start us that conversation? Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> a lot of times when you're, when you're pursuing things, especially anything that will return a big investment financially like i think it's very easy to feel like you have to put everything into it including your time and your relationships and when i say that is that like in the sense of often what people say is well to be successful you have to kind of focus only on this thing primarily and nothing else yeah you gotta hustle gotta be a hustler exactly yeah And so like you have to constantly, you have to constantly, constantly hustle. And if that means that sometimes relationships fall by the wayside or things like that, the thing is, oh, well, that's collateral damage. They weren't built for this. Mm, They say things like that. And I'm like, that's not true. Maybe because the idea when I think of like when you have a comeuppance, you should be a person that brings people up with you. Um, you right. should like, you should bring up everyone. Like that's, it's not the idea of, Hey, I'm looking down on you. It's, Hey, I'm here. And I want you to be able to excel with me because the idea of what Jesus tells us to do is to, you know, give away what we have to help others, to constantly help others along the way. And that our wealth shouldn't be considered, you know, not focused on like what we can attain or what we can build to show what we have but to show it in how we love how we love others how we care for others and all those things and i think having that conversation with your children or going hey look i don't have any problems with you pursuing success but don't let success be the the goal the end goal the goal should be to be able to take what you have to be able to help others like yeah. to learn how to how to be able to take it and distribute it so yes. that you don't become too tied to the things and you build on that kind of thing. So, Well, and I think what, what, what 
you know, there's a lot of stories out of the life of Jesus where where what you're talking about there, Donnie, I think is huge. And in case there was a moment I, I kind of had you cut out, so I want to kind of summarize it in case it cut out on the recording. Donnie yeah. said there is a way in which if I pursue, if if the end goal is I want to have this money, I want to have this success, that can lead me away from the pursuit of Jesus because Jesus, pursuing Jesus will always lead me towards how can I use what I've been given? Mm-hmm to bless others, that exactly. we are blessed to be a blessing, that it's not necessarily that if I am somehow wealthy or if I was, I'm, I can't change the fact, the people in this movie couldn't change the fact that they were born into wealthy families, exactly. right? They can't change that, but they do change their response to it. Exactly. Is my response to wealth to hoard it? Right. There's a story Jesus tells a parable of a guy who has one barn and decides I want to. And, you know, I know that seems silly as a comparison, but it really would be like he's got one bank account and it's getting a certain level of interest. And he goes, oh, if I just put more money in, I can boost up to this other level of interest and hoard all my wealth to myself. Uh, so that I am taken care of. And then the parable is that night the man gets uh, dies and all of it gets taken from him anyway. It didn't matter how big his barns were. And Jesus says, hey, you should use your wealth to, uh, in a lot of different things, one, store up treasures in heaven, mm-hmm. not store up treasure on earth, which is always, what are the things that are treasured in heaven, right? The, well, the things that God treasures, people, right? Justice, yep. mercy, those kind of things. So how do I use that money to, to, as you said, bring other people up that, should there really be a world? And I think it's a great. Should there be a should there be a uh, a crazy rich world where there are people who have billions and billions and billions of dollars and people who have absolutely nothing? Yeah. Uh, and the question is not. And this is where I think people want to get into as well. How should the government distribute? Or how should, that's not even our question because I know even when you hear that dichotomy, there there everyone wants to be, get kind of siphoned off into political arguments. The yep. question is, if I am a person who have been who has been blessed with this level of fame or success, there's a way in which I can believe I earned that because I hustled for it. Mm-hmm. And I think the 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 kingdom of God, the Jesus thing is all of that is a gift. Mm-hmm. And when you have been given a gift, much is required to to whom much is given, much is required. Exactly. Like because when you're gifted, because I think it's very when you first depending on where you are when you start, like if you start where you've had little to nothing, mm-hmm. there's a certain level of appreciation and gratitude and constant protection of what you have because you haven't had it for long. So there's sure. a sense of giving back and distributing. But I think sometimes it's like if you start on the mountain, you don't want to see the bottom of the mountain because you're so used to the view. Yes. Like, well, it's, yeah, good. No, I was just going to say on on what you said. I think Eleanor is a perfect example of this because so you have that opening scene where Eleanor is treated badly because she is perceived to not have wealth, mm-hmm. right? And she, I, you can kind of see in her say, "I'm never going back to that place." And so she becomes very competitive. And the book highlights this more, but all of the families are competitive with each other mm-hmm. over how much money they have and how much power and influence they have. And everyone's trying to kind of lie and suck up to the grandma because she's got all the money and the power. Right. And you can see that. I mean, that tends to be the central conflict that if Rachel and Nick get together, the grandma is going to cut out Nick and he will no longer be the heir successor to 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 the relationship. And Sawyer, you kind of talked about this before we got on. But this left that Nick's relationship. And I think Astrid's kind of in the same thing where he is willing to 
Now, in this movie, it's for romance and it's for love. But I think we can have a conversation of his willingness to say, well, if you're not going to give me this because I'm going to treat someone of a lesser class, for lack of a better term, better, if I'm not going to play by your rules, then I don't even want your money. You want to talk about how this movie kind of highlights like a positive aspect of the way a person can use their privilege and what they've been blessed with? Yeah. So, like, this movie... It's, it's a constant tug of war between Rachel and Eleanor is the thing where Eleanor wants her son, Nick, to be the heir to her throne, essentially. Okay. She wants him to be the king of the mountain that they are on top of. Rachel. And, and okay, I'm going to get into some plot details right now. So I'm going to spoil the ending. Just giving you guys a fair, fair warning. At the end of the movie, she leaves. Okay, she's going to leave. She's like, we're going to break up, in fact, because you have this destiny that can't, that I can't interfere with. Okay, like these two things are mutually exclusive. I can't be a part of this. Not necessarily because like I don't want to be, but because I there's something in the way. And she, by the way, in really good storytelling, she refuses to throw the mom under the bus is the thing. Really right. good storytelling. There's, a, there's this big confrontation between the two of them. That's a really powerful moment. Anyways, what Nick comes to the conclusion of is that, okay, then I don't want to be the king of the mountain. Okay. And so he goes to her on this airplane where they're about to go home and they, you know, they declare their love for each other. Okay. Um, and I think what the movie does really, really well is it gives us this character in Rachel who who kind of sees how the world actually works because these other people really live in a microcosm of we're super wealthy and she's kind of like she's not an edgy character but for them she's super edgy because like her she comes from a illegitimate family essentially and um i i just i really like this idea the movie drives home this idea that nick might eventually have to choose like what people expect him to be versus who he is. It's a, it's a very um, coming to grips with who you want to be uh, movie for Nick, at least. So, well, and I think, you know, that just the amazing conversation between Rachel and Eleanor, and I think it gives us just another example of Rachel's character is really the character who's most humble. She's most merciful right? She is the character and she's the most sacrificial, right? Rachel has this great moment with Eleanor where she, she meets him and they're playing, um, is it Mahjong that they're playing? Mahjong. Yeah. They're playing Mahjong. uh, And, um, she lets Eleanor win the game. Basically she gives Eleanor what she needs to win the game. And then at the end shows, I was holding all the tiles to win. And what she was trying and what she says to her is, and I think it's just beautiful as she says, um, one day, when you are uh, sitting with your grandchildren that Nick uh, that come from Nick and this other woman that you think is, is worthy of you, you'll have to at least acknowledge it was because of me not making him choose between me and you. You'll know it's because of me, a poor girl from a bad family that you got to have everything you wanted. And I thought, Oh, like that was such a powerful moment, but also gives us a glimpse into the almost subversive way of God's kingdom, which is I may not be able to win and I may even have the power to win the argument. 
I may have the power to win in this way. I could also get a bunch of money and 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 work really hard and, and play the game that the that the kingdoms of this world want me to play, which is wealth accumulation, power accumulation, right? Uh, fame, and let me use all that for my purpose. But when I lay that down, there is a different kind of power that is unleashed in my sacrifice and my humility and my my love in that moment that it was her love for Nick and saying, I don't want to make him choose. Uh, I don't want him to have to give up his family for me. There's a power of that kind of self-sacrificial love. Um, that is very Christ-like, even though that's not the movie's goal. We as a parent can kind of point that out and kind of get to, isn't that kind of love and power and grace more beautiful than the physical beauty and the wealth and the power that these families have? isn't there a way that they are beautiful on the outside? They live in these beautiful locations and these beautiful homes, but on the inside, they're very small and cruel and ugly in the way they treat people, right? We haven't even talked about the moment where they gut the fish and leave it in her, uh, in her bed. Yeah. Um, and it yeah. is so, I mean, it is hard. My girls were emotionally, Oh, that is the ugliest thing anyone can do. Um, but it is this moment of them trying to kind of control their power. Uh, Donnie, were you going to say something about that? Yeah. I mean, that scene, like that was really powerful in so many different ways. Like, I don't even, I don't even know if I captured everything in that scene that was the portions of it, but the visual display of it just yeah. shows you that when you want to control something so badly you can turn something so beautiful into a glorified, ugly scene yeah. because that level of control of saying, look, this has to be this way. And sometimes the way you think it needs to be is exactly the opposite. But the reason why you think it should be that way is because, well, it's always been that way. This is how things go. And like a perfect you know, dichotomy to that is that Jesus was exactly that way, as he said, he came in, they were doing one thing. He said, no, we're not going to do that. Right. We're going we're to love gonna... our enemies. Yeah. We're not going to create all of this like division. We're going to yeah. come together. We're going to bring that. We're going to love those that sometimes want to bring harm to us. Not we're because, not going to lord our power over other people. He explicitly says the kings of this world. That's how they do it. Not so with you. Exactly. And that and that type of thought is so different because when you when we want so badly to keep things as they are sometimes what we think is good is only good because it's the only perspective we've ever known it's like the idea of like when you're when you've never climbed a tree to see what's at the top you know then you yeah. may not know that where you thought you were wasn't actually the most perfect view it was yeah. just the view that you were comfortable with the view that you had become like able to attain whereas yeah. if you continue to climb and continue to grow you'll see things bigger and better than they ever could have been well and i think what you're getting to donnie there also just gets because i had to say this to my girls a lot is you know these people look very big and powerful because of their money but there's a way in which they become very small and honestly very afraid i said the reason they're those oh those you know because that scene happens kind of on the bachelorette party with the other socialite girls who all want nick because he's this eligible, and they're trying to kind of drive her away. And I said, they're really afraid of her. And I said, she doesn't have any money, any of that, but kind of her confidence, her love for Nick, their relationship makes them so afraid because 
once you have power, once you have money, you do take the route that Jesus said not to of, I want to lord this over people. Yep. I become very competitive. I'm afraid someone's going to take this from me. I need it. You know, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, his his commands about do not worry are come directly after his commands about storing up treasure in heaven and not letting money be your master because it almost seems like the amount of the more you money you have, the more your anxiety and your worries go up, mm -hmm. right? That yeah. because I feel more territorial and more need to kind of keep this to myself and more fear-based. Yeah. But in the self-sacrificial, self-giving kingdom of Jesus, and, and Donnie, you mentioned this earlier, uh, perfect love drives out fear. And mm -hmm. perfect love is self-sacrificial love. Exactly. And, um, all right, yeah. did you have anything you want to say to kind of wrap that up, Donnie? I have one last thing I want to talk about, but I want yeah. to give you something. Right so now. I think in that, like, especially going with the idea of like, as you attain wealth, wealth is a, is essentially a reputation thing. It's something that can come and go. And so I think the thing that I think is intimidating to the rest of them is the fact that Rachel is character and their reputation. If they lose their money, what are they? Who are they? What, right. what is their identity in? Whereas Rachel doesn't have money, doesn't have all these extra things. All she has is her integrity, her, her ability to love Nick at her fullest and to be who she is. And in that, like in those moments, Anyone can strip away your 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 wealth at any time. Anyone can strip away your your level in like the list of people, but they cannot change or take away your character if your character stands strong in core beliefs of being that person. I think it's great. Well, and so here's how I want to kind of wrap up because I think uh, most people listen to this because you're in Coweta County, which I just saw recently. Uh, uh, the, the housing market in Coweta County, I think, uh, is number eight in the nation in rapid growth uh, over the last two years. So number eight, Coweta County, number eight. So uh, most of us uh, in Coweta County, we're doing all right financially. And there is a way in which when these kind of conversations about wealth and money uh, be, for Christians uh, tend to be very guilt-inducing. And it sounds as if, well, if I have money, then I'm somehow inherently evil. That is not the way Scripture necessarily talks about money. Uh, money is almost treated like uh, fire. Uh, it is a tool that is helpful, but should always be treated very carefully. Uh, money is not like other tools in that it is a neutral thing. Money is not necessarily neutral. Money can be used for, for great good, uh, to do justice in this world, to lift up the poor, to be a blessing to you, for you to enjoy good things in this life. But money is not fully neutral. If it is not handled in a Christ-like way, it can be corrupting and corrosive to our lives. And so it is very important that we teach our children what the what is the solution. And Jesus says the solution to greed, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, and then worry around that is to seek first the kingdom of God. To make my pursuit not more money for me, more success, more power, but to see that everything I have in life is a gift. He says, look at the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. Doesn't God clothe them? Doesn't God feed them? Why are you so worried? Why are you so freaked out? And I think the best thing that you could do beyond a conversation with your kids in this movie is start trying some family practices to say, hey, we have been blessed with a lot. 
So let's take some time to enjoy the good things. You know, we're going to go on vacation or we're going to go out and get some ice cream. And ice cream is a luxury. It is a wonderful luxury, right? We don't have to have ice cream. Let's go get some ice cream and enjoy the blessings God has given us. And let's make sure we thank God for that, not thank ourselves and how hard we worked. Let's thank God for that blessing. And then let's find ways we can use our money to bless other people. Are, could we could we could we once a, a month or every so often get some money together and let's go down to bridge in the gap and get, and, and donate some food or or let's you know we, we give to the church let's at Christmas time let's let's give some money to uh, buy gifts for for some of our Christmas kids there are ways in which we can say hey God has blessed us with money let's remember that it's a blessing from God and let's find a way to use it to bless others and I think that's the best conversation you can have with your kids out of this movie so I hope you enjoy the movie it is beautiful it is hilarious it's very romantic and uh, maybe there's a time we can uh, re-watch this movie and talk just about romance uh, how to do romance God's way but that's not this podcast so we'll talk about that on another time I hope you guys enjoy this movie and enjoy having great conversations with your kids leading them to love Jesus and his way of life even more. We'll see you next time.